Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. Hello, everybody out there in Sonic land. This is Alan for The Sonic Collective, and I am joined by Scott Gregory, Scott Coates, and Darren Scott. In this episode, we are reviewing Alice in Chains' album, Dirt, uh, for our July 2022 pick. Um, I'm just going to dive right in here and throw it over to Scott Coates to get his thoughts on this album. Thanks, Alan. I was super pumped when you picked this one. I was well aware of Alice in Chains. I realized I knew a couple of their singles, but I'd never heard a whole album for them. And it also brought back memories of seeing them open for Van Halen on the for unlawful carnal knowledge tour. I think that was a bad opening band fit and the crowd was yelling at them. And I remember they didn't like them very much. And the lead singer was like yelling at people in the audience. I remember one guy's like, you can suck my fucking cock, you blah, blah, blah. And it, it got pretty ugly. So that I remember seeing them there. I went into this thinking like, oh, great. This is going to be awesome. Like the, the good old days of grunge. And I just found it was kind of every song was slowly grinding forward, slowly, almost like a, a car shifting. And, and, you know, I think if there was a few songs at this like lower mid pace tone and style, it would be fine, but there just wasn't enough kind of fast toe tapping, like kick-ass songs mixed in there. I just found it all kind of slowly grinded along repetitively and depressingly. So I went from being really excited to unexcited. And I think the opening track, Them Bones, really is the album sound. And it just maintains that. Like, there was Damn That River. I mean, it's kind of fun and upbeat, reminding me a little bit of Stone Temple Pilots. But actually, probably Alice in Chains reminds me of Stone Temple Pilots on this song, because I think Alice in Chains were like one of the absolute first grind or, or grunge bands. I mean, Rooster and Wood, they'll make my playlist. Those two are, are solid songs. And I knew Wood and really well and Rooster a little bit. But they also have that grinding tempo, but they, they're catchy and they stand out. I mean, it got to Godsmack and I was just sort of like, hmm, what the fuck? But I'm sad to say I never actually made it through this album in one go. I tried so many times and I kept just having to turn it off at a point usually around Junkhead. I just couldn't find a situation where it was grooving with me. Like Aaron's around the house. Nope. Cooking. Nope. I tried it running and biking a couple times and I just reach a point where I'm like, God damn, this is just slow and found myself feeling depressed. So I don't know. I think the album's 15 to 20 minutes long. I always go on about that, but it's just shy of an hour and they're kind of a one trick pony sound wise. That said, I mean, this is definitely the sound of the start of the grunge movement. I remember, I think, going to the Republic and hearing a few of these songs. I remember ending up at a couple parties that weren't my scene in like dark rooms and this sort of grinding on in the background. This really is an album to me to lament life a little bit, lay on a dirty couch, get super baked and just kind of be unhappy. It's it's not really my thing. And I was surprised because I thought I was getting into this hard rock album that I was really going to dig. But I just found that slow, monotonous, grinding pace just too repetitive and, and frankly, a bit depressing. So anyway, there's my take on it. Uh, who do you want to go next, Alan? Thanks, Scott. Uh, let's throw it over to Darren. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was. I am a big fan of the grunge era, and I was with Scott. Actually, I was thinking like, yeah, this will be fun, and I, I may even mentioned it uh, before, but I, I didn't really get into Alice in Chains too much it, at the time. Uh, I remember them coming out, and I just remember, man, this is like dark and bleak, and I, I just struggled with it, which is funny because I, I'm over the top love Nirvana, and there's actually a lot of songs that could could easily be nirvana songs uh in there you could interchange them um so it's it's weird that i was struggling with the bleakness but um i agree with scott i i, I did get through it several times but i i did find that it, it does have some kind of hiccups through it let's say where it's just like okay some songs are all right and then it just kind of gets I don't know, off track or something like that. Now, this is a four-time multi-platinum album, uh, four million copies and counting, and that's just in the United States. I, I don't know what the exact sales are, but it's cr a crazy big. Like, it's considered one of the greatest metal-slash-alt-rock albums of all time. Uh, highly recommended to listen to. And at the end of this, I think I'm going to come back there because it, it is good. Um, I mean, it was released in September of 92. Scott mentioned it is almost an hour long, 57 minutes. Um, and uh, Lane Staley on vocals, Jerry Cantrell on the guitar, Mike Starr on uh, bass, and Sean uh, Kinney on drums. Um, this was this was only their second album, and the last time all four would actually be together. Uh, Mike Starr was kicked out shortly after this uh, album because uh, apparently heroin is bad. That's actually you can't see this in this podcast, but I've named my name "Heroin is Bad" because uh, it took both the lives of Lane Staley and Mike Starr. Lane Staley died in two thousand two um, of a serious drug overdose, and the you know the the awful thing, and maybe some of you read this too. They didn't find him for two weeks. So imagine being that big of a star and, uh, you, you know, you die basically alone and nobody even finds you for two weeks. So that's a pretty sad story about drugs. I mean, he was struggling during this album recording with heroin um, and had a, a pretty, pretty rough life. So um, this is maybe an album best listened to on heroin. <laughs> uh, no, I am. We are not encouraging heroin use at all. It's bad, uh, as you can see. Um Anyway, uh, really album-wise and musically, it is good in a lot of ways. And, and I'll point out a few things that I really noticed. And, and the one was, uh, everybody really knows Lane Staley for his dark kind of voice and lyrics. And, and though not maybe contributing as much on the lyrics, what, and I hope some caught this, but really the harmonies with uh, guitarist Jerry Cantrell are, I think, what actually makes the vocals in this very interesting. Uh, it's not on every song, but a lot. And if you really listen, it's not just Lane Staley double-tracked. It's actually a harmony with uh, Jerry Cantrell. And it's actually done really well and effective, mind you, albeit quite dark. Uh, it comes out like that. It's, it is a depressing album. I mean, I kind of said, I think this is an album that I... I think is almost best if you pick out a few songs and put them on like grunge or rock of the 90s and have a, a nice mix going through, fine. But it is a hard one to get through unless you're kind of like emo goth and you're maybe you're just in, you know, a down place and you just want to like veg out in the down low or be down. I don't know. Um, that's not really me personally, even though I like a lot of those kind of grunge era bands. Um, another thing I noticed musically too is that I would say uh, a lot of the songs, especially the, some of the five singles, the singles were Wood, Them Bones, Angry Chair, Rooster, and Down a Hole. Um, 
those songs especially i find they're really driving pounding and what i what i noticed about that was a lot of times you get the rhythm sections which is the bass and the drums that are kind of hitting at the same time and you get that rhythm and beat but i really noticed noticed especially in the singles that cantrell his guitar is also hitting on the beat whereas a lot of times if you even think like a jazz music uh the guitar could be all over the place not necessarily an exact sync and and on the exact tempo it could have a different time pattern than the actual drums and bass are kind of dictating whereas i found in this like and it came out kind of cool where it would be really driving like he's hitting on that so you're really getting the bass the guitar and the drums all hitting at the same time and of course with lane staley and Kentrell's kind of harmonies it just really kind of hits nicely even though the songs are a bit depressing i, I really like that um you know this album again i it something popped in my head and i'm like it's kind of like a really good movie or tv villain you know like you watch a show and you're like god i fucking hate that character you know whoever it is like a villain villainess you just hate it. and then you realize like wow that person's a really good actor because i legitimately hate them i think that this album almost suffers from that i think they did such a good job of uh lane staley's lyrics and that downness of heroin addiction and some really troubling times and coming out of the 80s and the reagan era in the states i think uh, i think we're going to see that now again after coming out of the trump era and how divisive the world is i think we're going to see some really down punk and alternative and metal bands come out that will really have a new sound like this so it, it was a really new sound um yeah so i i found like that villain thing it's just like i think it worked in its way it was supposed to be super down and and low and hell yeah it is like it, it nailed it so i'll give it credit because i think that's what they were going for and they did it um yeah and uh one more the song rooster i mean one of the most popular songs probably one of my favorites i think i like angry chair better personally but um rooster is really good and that, interesting story about that it's jerry Cantrell's father was in vietnam and he wrote that song about him but apparently his dad would never talk about vietnam he literally just shut himself down but came back a bit of a broken man so a lot of that he just wrote trying to guess what was going on in his father's head and a lot of it was about uh really coming back from vietnam and how none of them were really treated to a hero's welcome Ooh, that's like a lyric from the song 19. um but yeah i mean these soldiers came back and they were basically shunned and just be like yeah you lost the war you suck and i mean here they were going through ptsd which when he wasn't even known they're like you know suck it up buttercup after seeing their buddies heads get blown off and things like that so uh, i really like the story with that song and how that came about i think that song is brilliant and again um yeah great so anyway i've kind of rambled on a little bit let's pass it over to scott gregory and get your takes on a little bit of this album yeah uh you guys touched on a couple things that really resonated with me as well uh i always like seeing what the next songs are that uh, spotify throws at me when i'm done an album and actually wicked garden by stone temple pilots was the next song on the track right so they heavily reminded me of that era as well uh and that is by stone temple pilots not chris isaac completely different songs different sound um what i liked i knew this was in my wheelhouse and that i liked the era but you know when i went and looked up the album real quick on wikipedia there was an entry that was like during june and august of 93 allison chains joined primus tool rage against the machine and babes in toyland uh at Lollapalooza, and i'm like oh my god that would be like the dream concert for me to ever go to right so uh i was coming in pretty charged to to this album already and you know i don't think i'll i'll run too long with this one since it's really easier to praise than critique 
Uh, I'm a 40-something Gen Xer who struggled with early loss while trying to maintain a stoic sense of everything's okay to everyone around me. So this is my album. When you're talking like, let's go for the downer fest, I was like, hell yeah, let's lean right into this one, right? And apparently not all of that is resolved because I really enjoyed this album uh, still to this day. Um, you know, Jar of Flies is really where I entered the Alice in Chains world. It just absolutely blew up my music listening. Uh, Them Bones and Rooster, you know, were on my radar prior to that album dropping. But it was really interesting for me to go back and actually listen to the full album because I never had before. And the signature sound was already in place. Lane Staley's voice, uh, Jerry Cantrell's guitar work. They're both worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it will continue to be a crime against music until they are inducted. Um, I, I don't and have never used hard drugs, which is a major theme on this album. Uh, but, you know, I did go through periods of escapism in different ways, trying to get through some rough times in my teens and early 20s. And uh, the lyrics on this album really spoke to me. I almost wish I would have heard them. Well, maybe I shouldn't have heard them back then because uh, that might have been a spiral. But I was surprised to read later that the band had issues with bands think or with fans thinking that this album was an endorsement of drug use. Uh, to me, it was clearly an acknowledgement by the band. You know, if you listen through to the whole thing instead of just picking out individual songs, that they were acknowledging the path that they chose, but not that it was the right or best choice. It was dealing with the poison and then dealing with the cure. And they were trying to decide which was worse, you know, what they were trying to escape or eventually the drug use. And as you guys said, the drug use eventually is what got them. So despite being a very well produced album, you know, with just great sound I that fits in with that grunge scene. I just really like the lyrics on this. I think the themes that it tackled uh, push this album over the top, uh, even over the instrumentation on it. Um Considering Jar of Flies comes out as an acoustic EP very soon afterwards, and it still debuts to number one, uh, I'm pretty confident that, you know, their lyrics across albums is really what's drawing people to this. Mileage may vary for different people, but on the tracks, you know, looking at the major themes, of course, I love the rooster. Darren, you spoke to, uh, you know, the military side of it and talking about his father. And, you know, my dad wasn't in Vietnam like Jerry's, but, you know, I was raised on a military base. It was frequently picketed by Greenpeace. My dad would go away for months at a time. Uh, and, you know, there's times where you're a kid and your friends are getting pulled out uh, to let them know that their dad's never coming back, right? And it, it really weighs on a nine-year-old the um you know just the military lifestyle and um i can only imagine you know that a lot of people learn late that their parents aren't gods or complete idiots by the time you turn it around as a, a teenager uh, but they're just people trying to hold their shit together and get you to adulthood and you can really feel jerry's journey to understand his father as part of this song and, and just really see it take shape and uh, work on that forgiveness for a past you know that he can now understand as an adult um yeah it was a really emotionally charged tune for me when you dig into the history of that um on a lighter note junkhead was uh my favorite individual lyrics on that when he's like what's my drug of choice well what have you got i don't go broke and i do it a lot i'm like okay this is clearly the uh high point no pun intended of his drug use arc in the storytelling right and it kind of tickled me but 
I think your pun was intended. I think it was actually. I just say not intended to try and cover me legally in case someone dies from overpunning. But uh, I have to agree with you. I really like the layering on the vocals. And honestly, going in, I thought it was just him dubbed over again. So the fact that you're saying that it is actually harmonizing uh, blows my mind. Because down in a hole, amazing. Like that stood out for me, the layering on that track and just pacing on the bass line on that. You know, sometimes when you have a band like Alice in Chains, where the guitar is so signature, where the vocals is just indistinguishable, you know, um, or, you know, other bands just are never going to be able to touch it, right? You always know who you're listening to. They have, It's like ACDC, right? The second you hear the guitar, the second you hear them singing, uh, either lead singer, you know it's ACDC, right? And I think... Uh, they could have fallen into a trap where everything did sound the same and it had the same tone and the same pacing on this album, but they took careful uh, steps to make sure that there was uh, a real solid shift in the things that they could control to avoid just having it sound like we've criticized other albums before for sounding just like 60 minutes of the the same thing. And um, yeah, once you segue... Um, oh, what was the next song? on the the track um after what junk man after down in a hole oh down in a hole uh sick man sick man sick man that's right it was much more up tempo drum heavy it had like a rob zombie kind of feel to it in some ways you know like layered over top of, of what they like to do so really impressed with them being able to stay within their sound but still be able to offer so many different changes um yeah, so that's that's the full run for me. I didn't get tired of it. I didn't listen to the whole album many times in a row, though, either. So I didn't notice that until now. I think it could probably be great to try and do the whole album all the time. And so I would probably agree that at some point you'd want to carve this up into a couple of your favorite tracks and mix it in with, like, R.E.M. Shiny Happy People or something like that to make sure, you know, you got some self-care going on. Now that's a mix. I know, right? Exactly. Bobby McFerrin to Alice in Chains. <laughs> Bam! Nice. And that's me. Back to you, Alec. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of, uh, a lot of the points you all made. Um, I sort of, I went in expecting to like this album more than I think I ended up actually liking it um as with you i could not get through the whole thing in one in one go partially because of the length and partially just because like it starts to drone like it just starts to feel a little bit heavy and one-dimensional mind you it's a really good dimension but um an hour of it non-stop is is a little bit too much for me i think um Incidentally, my favorite tracks on the album also trended towards the ones that were released as singles. Um, and I didn't realize until afterwards that Down in a Hole and Them Bones were singles as well. Um, the one the one standout track for me, though, is Sick Man, which I think it's one of the longer ones on the album, if not the longest. And it kind of takes you on a bit of a journey I, I just like what they did musically. You could tell they were um, they were really experimenting with sounds and stuff. I was actually blown away by the uh, the musicality of these guys. I mean, they were playing with time signatures and 
Um, you know, it, it's not your standard 4-4 time all the time. Uh, as, as you guys touched on, um, the harmonization is just super cool. It's very unique to Alice in Chains. Um, and I think that's one of their, uh, one of the things that makes them really special. Also, Jerry Cantrell and the tone of his guitar is, is really standout for me. He's, he's, he kind of plays with a very bluesy style and there's like a heavy use of the wah-wah pedal, but it's done in a way that's so unique to them. And I think it's really neat to listen to. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I found it a bit tough, you know, to, to listen to all of these songs back to back to back. It started to kind of wear me down a little bit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was an interesting one. Um, I think it's kind of cool. This might sound a little dark, actually, but for me, it was cool to hear the the perspective of an addict from the mouth of an addict. Like it kind of gives you almost a bit more empathy. Like when you see addicts on the street, as I often do because I take public transit, um, it's it's easy for me to forget that these are human beings who've got stories that like led them to this point and dirt being kind of a, a almost like a concept album through the lens of addiction like yeah it, it kind of did help me to uh to feel a little a little bit more empathy for these guys also incidentally i couldn't help but notice that certain songs kind of had almost like a sound garden quality to them which i guess makes sense i mean they were contemporaries within the seattle music scene. Um, I, I wouldn't call Alice in Chains necessarily grunge, but they kind of came up at the same time. And sonically, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of ties to that. So yeah, um, I don't know. It, it, it was a good album for sure. And um, yeah, I, I guess maybe we can jump into the, the ratings and then I'll kind of leave you with my my closing thoughts here so i'll throw it back to scott coates just to get your scores yeah thanks alan interesting everyone's perspectives here and the harmonizations now that you mentioned it are pretty awesome and i didn't really recognize that and i like using an addict's life from an addict's point of view right it definitely has that look while i didn't really enjoy the album i'll give it a four for recommend because it really does serve a point in musical history. Like this was the beginning of the grunge era. Hard to believe that's 30 years ago, right? So these guys definitely set a sound um, at the very beginning of a movement. So I'll give it a four for recommend. Influence, I'm going to give it a one. It's not going to spur me on to listen to more of them. I also at the time, while I liked a couple of their singles, it didn't take me down any particular road. And overall, I'm just going to give it a two. I'm sorry, but like I said, it just grinded on to me. It was a bit monotonous. Yeah, I couldn't make through in, in one go. Yeah, I guess I'm up next. Um, yeah, a couple thoughts before I jump into my scores. One is uh, one uh, one thing actually turned me on to this band early, and it was uh, the Singles movie. And if you're a grunge fan and you've not seen that movie, highly recommend it. It's called Singles. Uh, is it Matt Dillon? Damon? Matt Dillon. Not, no, 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 Matt. And uh, Pearl Jam's in it. Three of the guys from Pearl Dillon, Jam. thank you. Not Matt Damon. Matt, Matt LeBlanc? Was it Matt LeBlanc? Yeah, yeah Matt Joey is in <laughs> Singles. Uh, 
He was probably mm. like 10 then or something, but uh, early 90s movie, really good movie. Um, and yeah, and I've heard some comparisons. I actually got Sabbath a bit. I thought that uh, Cantrell's guitar at times kind of reminded me of Tommy Yomi's from uh, Black Sabbath. It was like a little bit of similar. And somebody said Rob Zombie too, and I got that as well. So uh, I think we're kind of on the same track here. You know, it's I think it's one of those albums and, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and they were doing what they're doing that we're probably not their target demographic, you know, uh, white middle-aged guys. Uh, well, maybe Alan and Scott are a bit younger, but the Scots, I'm just the old guy. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those albums that you cut four or five songs. I think it probably stands the time a bit better. Um, I've heard that before when I was doing some research, there was a few articles and I listened to a podcast that actually said very similar, uh, that they just thought like, Hey, if you cut like, uh, two or three of the songs, maybe four, uh, that it probably would have stood up a bit better. I did listen to it with, uh, the latest in cannabis. Uh, you know, now it's really making a, a big impact in Canada. These resin infused, uh, pre-rolls. And I tried one by, uh, dab bods, dad, not dad bods, dab bods. <laughs> That's hard to say um uh resin infused pre-rolls and that made it a little bit more enjoyable i gotta say but you can go dark if you just sit there alone in the darkness and you're super baked yeah so be, uh, be careful maybe use more of a sativa than an indica blend for that one or you're just gonna like fire off into darkness anyway yeah really good musical album i actually liked it in general but again i think it is just something you listen to a couple songs and get out um you know uh, recommend i'm the same as scott of four i think it is one of those classic albums you should listen to uh just make it through it yeah there's some kind of darker songs and some that probably won't jive with you personally but um it's worth a listen uh influence i'm kind of i do this i'm ranking a little bit because i know how influential of an album it was at the time uh but it didn't really like like again, I remember it. I was in my early 20s, I guess 22, 23 when this came out. And uh, I remember just kind of liking it. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. And overall, I'm coming into three and a half. It just, for me, it just wasn't uh, like a, a really, really powerful album, but it, it has some really great tunes. And those five singles are amazing. Um, you know, a little dark at times, but really good. But anyway, what about you, Scott Gregory? Yeah, I think when you're talking about Sabbath, it makes sense. You know, when you look at um, Mike and Iz joining the band later on with uh him having done work for ozzy as well too right so i totally i didn't mention it but i totally heard that in there as well too uh even though him joining i think was after the uh this album was produced um yeah i mean it's all been said i don't have much of a wrap-up on this would i recommend it i'll give it a four uh like scott said this is the birth of the grunge movement in, in many ways this this layer of the music coming out. I prefer Jar of Flies to this album. I just think for for some reason they come out of the gate acoustically. Maybe it takes a little bit of that darker edge off of things and lightens up just enough to, to make it more palatable. So I'll give this one a four for recommend, but if you're only going to listen to one Alice in Chains album, then I would recommend Jar of Flies over this one. If you're going to listen to two albums, then you can listen to this one. Uh, Influence 3.5, it's throwing me back down a little bit of a hole. Uh, you know, listening to some Sound Gardens, I listened to um, so much grunge when I was a, a kid, particularly Sound Garden and Stone Temple Pilots. So to, to just be thrown back on that track, it, it's great. I love it. And overall, I'm going to give this album uh, a four. I'm going to rate it pretty high. It's, it's just great in every way. It's got 
tons of great lyrical work on it. It's very authentic. I mean, you're writing an album about drug use and then you eventually die of an overdose. You can't get much more street cred than that on, on an album of this nature. You know, party hard, die hard. Um, so, yeah, give it a listen. Exit scene. Cool. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm giving this a five out of five for influence for me. Um, and the reason is because after I listened to Dirt a few times, I started to explore some of the newer stuff with uh, William Duvall. And actually, Spotify just kind of started playing random stuff from the rest of their discography. And there, there were songs I had never heard before. And it turned out they were from some of their newer albums featuring William Duvall on vocals. Um, it turns out he really can do Lane Staley's legacy some justice. So uh, I explored an album called The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, which is a hilarious album title. Um, but I like a lot of their songs are really good, the newer stuff. So uh, it influenced me to check out their their new stuff. And actually, I would recommend everyone else does too. I think it really holds up, especially because Jerry Cantrell uh, being a mainstay in the band and contributing just about 50% of the vocals in terms of that harmonization. Like it, it really does sound like Alice in Chains, the OG lineup. So uh, yeah, anyway, influenced me five out of five on that one. Um, and it also influenced a lot of other people too. Um, and so that that uh, brings me into my recommendation numbers. I'm giving it a three and a half. Um, really cool to kind of, again, like get this perspective uh, of addiction through the mouth of an addict. You know, but again, it's it's dark, heavy subject matter for an hour. Uh, so it's not going to be everyone's bag. But if you do like 90s music, if you do like grunge, I do think this is one to check out. So three and a half out of five on that one. And overall, I'm, I'm coming in at a, a pretty average three and a half as well. I liked it. I was hoping I would like it more because I'm such a fan of grunge. But, um, you know, there was just, like Darren said, just a couple songs that needed to probably go away. And I think this album would have been a little bit more solid. Um, yeah, maybe a, a couple of faster, more upbeat tunes might have helped too. But, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, jumping in and, and reviewing this album. Sounds like... Sounds like, for the most part, we enjoyed it, so that's cool. Uh, I think our next pick is coming to you courtesy of Scott Gregory. Oui, c'est moi. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to speak to that, or are we going to uh, leave our audience in the dark here? No, I've I've decided. You may recognize her from her collaborations with Justin Timberlake and Supergroup um, Lonely Planet, a little-known artist mm. called Lady Gaga. Uh, I've chosen her album Born This wow, Way. Wow, never listened to the Gaga. Interesting. <laughs> nice. Yeah, me neither. Good pick, good pick. All right. Yeah. I'll, well, I'm I like, looking I like forward Gaga. to that. Um, I've always been a Gaga fan, so I'm, I'm excited about this. Are you totally. Gaga over Gaga? Yeah, a little bit. For somebody who started in pop, I always uh, had a lot of respect for her, actually. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, well, thanks a lot, guys, and thank you, our fair audience, for tuning in to yet another episode. Uh, Be sure to check back for Scott Gregory as he kind of goes into more details on why he's chosen to uh, review Lady Gaga's album. 
And until next time, you can find us at thesoniccollective.com and uh, all of your favorite social networks. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.